0: listening
1: to the casting for fun podcast the show that talks about entertainment sports music and inspirational stories for all to enjoy we're glad you could join us today sit back relax and enjoy the show now
0: here is your host albert pineda This is the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this week's episode is for Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. Uh, Back with another track-by-track album review episode. Uh, This is quickly becoming my favorite thing to do on the podcast. I love music so much. I think it just sounds really cool and awesome and really polished and professional sounding, which is something I've always been aiming for as far as my podcast is concerned. And then, of course, getting to discuss albums and music that I love uh, with with good friends is really a awesome worthwhile experience for me to do so so here we go this is this week's episode it's uh we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of uh chain's uh monumental ep release jar of flies and to do this uh my good friend uh, nathan cross returns to the show so we discuss the the seven tracks from this particular ep and have a great time doing it and then of course because it is the 30th anniversary the the word on the street right now is that Alice and James is planning something really cool tomorrow. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what it is. But uh, I have my speculations of what I think it might be. But again, the band apparently is planning something cool for the 30th anniversary, which will be tomorrow on January 25th. And then also just stay tuned for next week, January 31st. Uh, is the 20th, uh, we'll be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Incubus' A Crow Left and the Murder album, in which my good friend Davis Bench will be joining me to talk about that one. So here we go. This is Allison Chains' 30th anniversary of the Jar of Flies EP with Nathan Cross. welcome back to the show nathan cross nathan how are you doing my friend doing fantastic how are you albert i'm doing well thanks it's a uh, new year everyone's happy and healthy back in school back at work uh, so yeah everyone's doing really good hope you guys are as well
1: yes for the time being we are trying so hard to stay healthy <laughs> we are we are sending our son to school with a mask
0: for a little while at least okay well that that should hopefully help
1: yeah, kindergartners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, again.
0: so, so yeah, so we're, I'm really excited to implement this new format into the podcast where I've kind of discovered that no one's really monitoring my shows. As long as they're not monetized, I can kind of get away with using licensed music. <laughs> so, so yeah, I definitely wanted to dive into track by track reviews of albums that I love and any other recommendations people have. So, if there is something in the future you want to go over, please let me know. But uh, for the time being, tonight we're going to be discussing Allison Chains' A- EP "Jar of Flies," which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this coming uh, Thursday, the January 25th. Wow, it's
1: pretty awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's cra- crazy. Some of these some of these albums are you know hitting these major milestones
0: oh yeah there's quite a few that i already had in mind to do for for 1994 albums so this is going to be a fun year to, to go over some of our favorite music albums from the from 30 years ago or even 20 years ago for other albums that i have in mind as well
1: yeah and it's uh with the invitation you gave me for this podcast today like i mentioned before it's been a
0: total trip down memory lane and uh it's been it's been fun Oh, very cool. Very cool. So yeah. let's, I'm going to share a few uh, interesting facts about the, the EPA Jar Flies. And of course, feel free to share what you want to share as well before we dive into the, the track by track review. So it's interesting to learn that, yes, it's celebrating its 30th anniversary, first release on January 25th, 1994. Uh, the three singles released from this particular EP were No Excuses, I Stay Away, and Don't Follow. And what's very interesting is that this was the very first EP in modern music history to debut at number one on the Billboard Top 200 Billboard charts, which is unheard of for, for rock music, really. I mean, the charts are kind of dominated by pop, R&B, hip-hop, uh, music of that nature. In fact, I think it knocked off Mariah Carey's music box as from the number one spot at the time back in 1994, so it's really cool accomplishment for this particular EP. You know, you don't get as much bang for your buck with an EP as you would with a full length album. So the fact that fans were really, like, buying this album, well, this EP up, rather, uh, speaks volumes and testaments of how great it really is.
1: Yeah, and coming to know and be familiar with this uh, EP, it's it's pretty crazy. It's a landmark moment for grunge music in particular. I feel like, I mean, you got bands like Nirvana, that everyone knows now i mean you hear smells like teen spirit like used commercially and all sorts of things these days and it's it's nuts because at the time grunge music was this really out of out of seattle out of left field sort of you know addition to rock music that at the time i would assume made you know lots of listeners feel just a little uncomfortable it's particularly alice in chains they're kind of a Darker band, and for them to to put out this EP, which has so much emotion and raw, just you know raw confessions in here, that uh, to for that to debut at number one on the Billboard and and bump off so many other popular artists, it's a it's a it's a really big deal. You know, you would expect Nirvana to have been the one to do that, but. No. No, it was Alice in Chains, which I think is really fascinating,
0: really oh, interesting. Absolutely. absolutely, yeah. And uh, I don't mean to downplay Alice in Chains' accomplishments. I mean, this EP absolutely deserved it. But I want to say the contributions of bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, uh, the Stone Temple Pilots that helped elevate the genre to the point where, yes, oh, we got if a grunge album is coming out by a specific band, we got to check this album out. So I, I Abs- think- No, absolutely. Alice in Chains yeah they all they
1: all fed and helped each other the mm-hmm. the big four as we referred to it so yeah yeah for sure but yeah that's uh by it in and of itself it absolutely deserves some some kind of accolade like that oh absolutely. it's a beautiful album
0: absolutely yeah so before we get to the the track by track review i mean just when i'm researching these podcasts i always find interesting information particularly on youtube so there's actually a short video from uh, the youtube channel loudwire where uh, the, the host talks about like five fascinating facts about the album. I want to go ahead and share it with you here.
2: Though Alice in Chains were loved for their sludgy rock and metal fusion heard on facelift and dirt, one of their most popular releases was their 1994 EP, Jar of Flies, which was their second acoustic EP after SAP came out in early 1992. No excuses, I stay away and don't follow a release as singles but Nutshell is truly one of the band's most standout tracks of all time, because as open as Lane Staley had been in some of their previous work, no one had ever heard him quite as vulnerable as this. Not only was Jar of Flies their first number one on the Billboard 200, but it was the first EP in history to top the chart. There are some other fun facts about the release that only Alice Chain Chains superfans would know, so let's dive into the story behind Jar of Flies. Number one. Based on an online timeline of the band, the members of Alice in Chains didn't have anywhere to live when they got off the 1993 Lollapalooza tour, because there was a miscommunication over which of the members was supposed to pay the rent that month. They supposedly moved into London Bridge Studio for 10 days, and although they only intended to jam, they ended up writing and recording all seven songs during that time, and each of them were recorded in about one or two takes. And number two, they didn't actually even plan on releasing it. In an interview with Hit Parader, Lane Staley said that after getting off the road and playing and hearing loud music every night for months on end, they just wanted to see what they could come up with on acoustic guitars. Assistant producer Jonathan Plum said that Jerry Cantrell and Mike Inez didn't even mic up their guitars in the studio while they were recording. The band's record label Columbia was really who decided that it should be released. Considering it sold over 141,000 copies in its first week, that was probably the right decision. Number three. Mike Inez, who'd played with Ozzy Osbourne, joined the band in 1993 after original bassist Mike Starr left. Though Jar of Flies was the first multi-song release that Inez played on, it wasn't their first bit of new music with him. Shortly after he joined the band, his first studio experience with them were the singles What the Hell Have I and A Little Bitter for the movie The Last Action Hero. Number 4 Jerry Cantrell came up with a title for the EP based on an experiment that he did in elementary school according to an interview that Lane Staley did with Hip Raider. The class was given two jars of flies, one of which they overfed and the other they underfed. By the time the experiment was over, the jar that was overfed had become overpopulated and all the flies died. The jar that was underfed, on the other hand, still had some left that were alive. Number 5. The artwork was shot by photographer and videographer Rocky Schenk, who shot the covers for Facelift and Dirt, and also worked on the videos for We Die Young, Them Bones, and a couple of others. In a post on his Instagram recently, Schenk recalled that his assistant went back and forth between his house, where they were shooting the cover, and a horse stable up the street to collect the flies for the jars. But the flies kept dying. He didn't remember the name of the child in the photo either, but he does still have the jars they used for the shoot. For more facts about Allison Chain's Jar of Flies, head over to Loudwire.com.
0: So there we go. Very interesting stuff. Uh, They they talk about a lot of interesting facts about the the recording process of the album. The fact that they did it so short time and only like I don't know less than a week uh, without having any of the material prepared beforehand. It just it almost seemed together that it it came together just seamlessly, right?
1: Yeah, I I found that really fascinating too because you listen to Dirt. And dirt is, is heavy and raw and, and in your face. I mean, the first song Dem Bones he's like ladies just screaming, like, wait, and it's it's very, very much just a rush from beginning to end. And then you get jar of flies, and it starts off like just ethereal, and it's very different. And for them to have pulled all of that together and like I think from what I was researched, it was like seven days. They yeah. they pulled together seven songs in seven days, which is incredible. And for for them, it was like, yeah, they <laughs> these four guys like had been on tour, loud rock music all the time, all this time, and then they get off, and they don't have a house to live in anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they they take a they took like a vacation, and then they hole up in um, in the recording studio. And I feel like it was just catharsis. Uh, just them kind of coming down off of all of that rush and stress of the tour and everything like that. And, and kind of, like I mentioned, it's very, very conventional, just getting all of this emotion out. Um, It's very almost self therapeutic as you're listening to it, um, going from beginning to end and uh, talking just in big sweeps, because I know we're going to do a track by track, get big sweeps. It starts off, you know, very, very, very moody, very dark, very soothingly almost haunting. And then by the end of the end of the EP, we're into swing on this, which is just like bouncy and almost happy. It's like they've they've gone through this whole process of getting their demons out in this album and rising back out of it. And like, okay, we're ready to go out there again. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know, just thinking about how good these songs are and the fact they came together like that, they were just very in tune with each other. And this was also with uh, a new bassist as well, um, because their original bassist um, had drug issues and um, was was forced to leave the band. And so for them to like bring in a new bassist and give him like songwriting cred, like, okay... Help us write these songs. <laughs> That's, uh, they were just very, very vulnerable and open and willing to experiment and try things that really, really paid off.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I perfectly said. I don't know if I could have said it any better myself. But, I mean, very personal Record for, for the band, particularly for for yeah. Link Staley, and then of course, as you mentioned, Mike Inez being brought in like you know last minute. Uh, they're already recording new material and hadn't even been a full year yet um, by the time he had actually joined the band. So that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. To know. Uh, before we jump into the, the track 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 review, one more interesting fact I want to bring up about the 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 EP that the they just talked about in that that clip we just heard now. The the cover itself, which is really fascinating to me to learn that story, that it was based off of a science experiment that Jerry Cantrell did as a child. You know, I guess you can take what you will over that concept of one jar of flies being underfed, one being overfed, but the underfed one is actually the one that survived. I guess the fact of uh uh, too much abundance of anything could actually be detrimental to us. But, you know, it's it's interesting to me that he that would resonate with him as as a child into adulthood. And it just, just got me thinking, I mean, not directly related to Alice and Chains, but Nathan, did you ever do any science experiments that it resonated with you as a kid that you still think about today? <laughs>
1: uh the only like science questions. experiment that no no it's it's great it's, uh, the, i think i can remember like two science experiments that i did and i think i only really remember them because i did them with my dad oh okay um well one one of them won an award but um but yeah i n- nothing like that ever really stuck with me but i think i think the theme of that of jar of flies that science experiment fits this album absolutely perfectly. Um, I will get into the track by track, but I really do feel like uh, in this album, I mean, yeah, they just lost the the bassist and got Mike Inez uh, because of drug issues. But Lane Staley was also having a lot of drug problems Mm -hmm. prior and leading into this. And a couple of the tracks on this album directly refer to his, his drug addiction, um, which like I said, we'll get into. Um, but uh, I, I think that theme of yeah. Overfeeding overindulgence. It's, it's going to lead to the, to the death of us. And that, uh I mean, is referred to even in a little bit in uh, no excuses in a, a a little bit, but we'll, we'll dive deeper into all of that. Anyway, I just think it's a, a very, fitting title and very interesting mm-hmm. science experiments as well
0: oh absolutely yeah yeah so if we're ready let's go ahead and jump into it so let's go you know track by track all seven tracks from this particular iki starting with uh number one right off the bat it just sounds perfect like just how slow and like brooding it's it's like leading into the very beginning and the opening line of yeah yeah, innocence is over it's just uh i mean vintage allison chains which is cool to start out this way because obviously the fans are going to be in for quite a a different experience considering the use of acoustic guitars and strings that they implement in this particular ep so what did you think of the first song rotten apple
1: i think it's perfect um yeah, because, again, go back to Dirt, like one album prior, Dem Bones is just staying ah, like right in your face out of the go. The chunky, heavy guitars are just brutal. It's awesome. It's in your face. It's just immediately just, like, it can scare you the first time you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to the first track of Jar of Flies, and it, yeah, like you said, haunting, brooding, it just kind of opens up uh and sets the table for everything that is to come it's the perfect mood setter for the album and the wah wah on the guitars like uh allison changes has a way of making these guitar sounds um just big wide sounds that um are at at the same time they're it's familiar enough that it gives you a little bit of an anchor as a listener but it's just distorted and out there enough that it makes you just a little uncomfortable a little on edge like what's coming um and uh it's it's a great mood setter for these these darker places that they explore in the album I uh, and lyrically as well. I think it's it's fantastic. it's um, it's very what I was gonna say, it's very sparse uh, lyrically. you can you can take a little bit of leeway with your interpretation of the lyrics because it's it's pretty open, but it lyrically, you know, because it just opens all that interpretation up, it gets you that moment of fun. like I'm listening to a grunge album, and I'm having to think I'm feeling things. I'm exploring dark places. I don't know how I feel about this. This is interesting. It feels, uh, feels like we're going into some unknown uncharted territory with them. And it fits because seven days in recording studio, they were just diving into uncharted territory as well together. And for them to do so, so deftly and, uh, Succinct, succinct. Yeah. It's it's just really, really good. I don't it's it's a really great album opener.
0: Oh, well said, yes. And then speaking of, you know, diving into the personal, the feelings and just the the raw emotion, we'll go ahead and jump into track number two, uh, nutshell. song as well it just uh i I love the acoustic guitar to begin and then slowly you get the the drums and then you get finally get to lane's vocals uh super personal song and it's it's interesting to me that uh that he really just kind of lays it all out there and the the band's obviously aware of the issues and problems he has and uh there's a particular line from this song that goes uh uh we chase misprinted lies we face the path of time and yet i fight and yet i fight this battle alone uh so really i mean like uh, one could surmise that this is maybe like the most personal that uh, Lane Staley has been in any of his songs to this point, really just uh, uh, illustrating just the, the problems he's facing as an addict and the, the difficult struggles they have to go through. And, you know, just it's just kind of like it's kind of haunting to him to say those lines. like, "Yes, I had to fight this battle alone. So so what were your thoughts for for uh, uh nutshell?
1: So this is where I get to confess, right? You already know this, but. um i was not super really at all very familiar with alice and james prior to your invitation to be part of the podcast and so i took it upon myself because i i want to be an informed Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh enjoyer of music i love rock music and i i love exploring and and not just the new stuff but like the history the foundational stuff and so, uh, so it was great to go back and dive into Alice in Chains and, and realize like, you know what, I am totally familiar with Alice Chains because not only have I heard quite a number of these songs like Rooster and Dem Bones, and I say Dem Bones, <laughs> just because it sounds like the song, um, down in a hole, uh, you know, all these, all these great songs. Um, and, uh, and the first, anyway, but it's sorry, I'm losing my check of thought here, but, uh, their imprint on so many of the bands that i did grow up with during my time so like uh gosh i'm gonna i'm gonna name all the terrible ones <laughs> trapped uh three days grace uh stained um smile empty soul uh puddle of mud um gosh incubus uh there's a good one there there's a whole bunch of that out there that that were inspired by and pulled from Alice in Chains. So it's like, I'm super familiar with, like, as soon as I started hearing it, like, I know this, this is so familiar. And this is, uh, it's so comforting. Took me back to that. Uh, and uh, listening to this song in particular, nutshell, um, you know, I, I dove right into Jar of Flies. I, I, that was the first thing I listened to, Alice in Chains, I started with Jar of Flies. I didn't listen to anything else. And Rotten Apple's like, okay, whoa all right, we're, we're in for something. That was, that was cool. And the Nutshell came on and I was just glued. And it's, uh, gosh, all of the feels start coming out and uh, going through the lyrics and learning about Staley and where he was at the time when he was writing this song. Um, all of the the sheer amount of success from Dirt and their tour and everything like that. Uh, There's all of this paparazzi and publicity around him now, and he's launched into stardom and he's just not ready, like super overwhelmed. And of course then there's the drug addiction on top of that. Um, Yeah. He just comes out and he just is so vulnerable and lays it out there. And there's something about his performance on this particular song that is uh, it, it just pulls you in. You're like, I've been there. Like, I I can f- resonate with this. And it's a different vocal performance for her for him than he's done on almost any other track uh, in the catalog before he passed away. He uh, he's very ah, yeah. You know, he's got this this very unique vocal quality to Alison Chains that just makes it immediately identifiable. But in this particular song, it's so subdued and, like you said, absolutely personal and vulnerable. And uh, it's just him bearing his soul, and it is mesmerizing. It, it, of all the tracks on this amazing EP, that was the one that immediately was like, I love that song. That is an amazing song. It's oh, it, it it's it's meant to be one of their greatest songs ever, and
0: mm-hmm. you know it deserves it. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree with you, Nathan. In fact, I want to make a comment on what you had mentioned before about the, the influences of the bands. It's something just I it popped into my head, and I just remembered this. So uh, Lane Stanley unfortunately, passed away in 2002. Did, he did succumb to his uh, addictions. The following year, in 2003, the band Stain released the album uh, 13 Shades of Grey, and they named one of their Shades songs of uh, Lane, <laughs> Lane, right? And, uh, yeah. and they dedicated a whole song to him. In fact, the beginning... Of the track i i, I want to say it's aaron lewis the lead singer of stain who's doing his impersonation of the lane staley like vocals like you just mentioned where like you know very few vocalists could actually ever achieve that in fact i might try and enter that into the podcast so people can hear it but It was a nice it's a it was a really good cool song. To yeah, yeah. One of um, I'm sorry, one of Stain's better songs, that songs. One of Stain's better albums.
1: Yeah. Flat yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. Fourteen Shades Grey yeah. is is great. But that song in particular, yeah. When I first heard that album, I had no idea what that song was about. So I had to go <laughs> back and listen to it afterwards and, and just uh yeah, feel all the feels. It's uh you can tell like he had a phenomenal impact uh on the genre. And uh yeah, number, number of bands have covered nutshell since and uh totally in an honor. And and every time yeah and Chains plays the song live, they they always dedicate it to to daily Staley.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Now, let's go ahead and jump into track number Such three. Good. This is uh I stay away. stay away perfectly done as well that incorporates the, the acoustics brings in a really beautiful string arrangement which is cool and then gets into that heavier hard hard rock that uh the Allison Chains is known for so I think this was a perfect uh example of what they were trying to implement with this EP uh, and again personal lyrics about I guess uh, uh a man who desiring a relationship with this woman uh, that's just not working out in fact that he has to stay away from this uh woman for his own mental health and mental safety so and again another beautiful track I stay away
1: Yes. Um gosh, there's a lot to say about this one too. <laughs> uh the first thing I want to mention, this is this is just about Allison Chains, it, kind of in general, but it's really well showcased on this particular track is uh Cantrell and Staley's dual vocals. Very unique um to grunge music at the time to have two vocalists harmonizing quite like that, usually uh with the with brunch music you would just have the same vocalist record two different tracks and then i'd layer them in the studio but having the two of them do it together it 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 pulls something uh that is that is i don't know it feels so much more uh emotional and real um cantrell and staley were roommates back in the day they both had bands that they were in that failed they ended up moving in together after um staley heard some of cantrell's demo tapes it was like dude you're awesome <laughs> and uh they they tried to help each other out during that time anyway they basically became friends and then also you know became the founding members of well not the founding members because they had an eri- uh, different singer before staley i think before I think they finally yeah. settled down but um anyway point is like they they're like best friends and so for them to um to to be singing quite like this and stuff like that even after all the things that they've been through which they kind of reference on no excuses um coming up that it's a uh, i don't know there's something about that that singing together like that That uh, is just really, really cool. Also, the harmonies and things that they're able to pull out of that, like I said, they put you in this kind of somewhat uncomfortable, experimental almost kind of space with some of these sounds that they're pulling out of the guitars and their vocals that uh, reminds me a little bit of, like, System of a Down (laughs) in a a strange sort of way. Um, That's, it's just, it's so different and and it's so amazing. Um, I love the... It, the story I, I uh didn't necessarily know about the the background of the lyrics the story that is being told in there I I, I personally took from it like okay yeah so there's this this woman all right uh I I just assumed because this the songwriting or lyric writing uh, credits for this song go to stay late mm-hmm. I assumed he was writing about his addiction from a figurative perspective and you know saying like i stay away and we get this like surge of the strings that come in right there as he's like belted like i stay away and uh that that energy it feels like he's just like he's so committed like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna break this addiction i'm gonna break this habit and um and it's so neat to have this like this journey on this album in my mind. This is the journey that I went on where we have Rotten Apple, this opener of just like, this is where we're going. Like it feels just like very vulnerable. And then we get to Nutshell, which is the absolutely most vulnerable track on this album. And and then we we get into I Stay Away and it starts to lift as we get towards the the end of that song. We get to those strings and um and then we get to it feels like he's like, Yeah, I've I've been down in this down in this hole tomorrow. <laughs> Another song. Mm-hmm. Um, in nutshell, and I'm I'm trying to climb up, I'm trying to become a better person and I'm trying to be a better me. And gosh, that it just man, that climax of that song like hits when you feel that. And then we get to No Excuses, which was written by I'm I'm maybe jumping the gun here, oh, but, but it was, was written him by himself, Cantrell. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's very much about Cantrell writing and talking to Staley, who sings. They both sing and perform together on the track, which makes it feel very personal. It's kind of like Staley's like, yeah, you know, like I've screwed up and I've I've messed up, but like I'm gonna do better, and there's no excuses. Anyway, get into that. Anyway, this feels like it's this journey through like addiction and trying to overcome not just addiction necessarily, but all of all of the darkness that we can harbor in ourselves and i stay away is that pivotal moment i feel like in the ep where we start to like climb out um with them and uh yeah it, it it gets it's raw and juicy with some of those distortions and things they pull out in the middle there but when we climb to that climax it's if you're really invested in really listening to that album it's it's near euphoric when you get to those strings it's it's pretty awesome
0: oh absolutely yeah yeah so perfect segue let's go ahead and jump into uh no excuses now track number uh, 4 on the on the EP would probably just say right off the bat no excuses yeah. is actually my favorite song on this particular music release i think it's just fantastic uh the percussion to begin the song with uh drummer um i had his name here uh sean sean kinney right yeah sean kinney i believe mm-hmm. yeah. uh yes yeah so i mean it's just um uh, perfectly done i mean the, the the lyrics are fantastic you know vocals from both of them like where where staley takes it off or I think, yeah, is it Staley first and then Cantrell at the end? At the last part of the song, or is it the weight other reverse? I can't remember now. It, <laughs> sometimes they, it's they hard they to sound tell. So similar no. to me. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between
1: the two. Sometimes it can be a little hard to tell. No, if I remember correctly, Cantrell takes more of the lead uh, right. on the vocals in the song. Staley is a little more backing, um, which which is fitting. Like this is really Cantrell's song to Staley, and um, but it's also Staley supporting him and saying. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm owning up to my mistakes, no excuses, mm-hmm. right? Can't can't hide it anymore. And uh and I just love it because you can really again the brotherhood that they have, like this uh starting off as roommates and then becoming bandmates and currently becoming brothers as they've gone through the course of you know, Alice and Chains becoming a real thing and uh you know face facelift, sap, dirt, and uh I love the the lyrics towards the end of the album where, you know, Cantrell basically says you, my friend, I will defend. And if we change, well, I love you anyway. I, I just think that's, it's so perfect. It's, it's like, you know, even if we drift apart, even if things go South, like I will always be there for you. I'll always love you. I'll always defend you. Um, And uh, man, the, it's uh that's that's true friendship right there. I think that's fantastic. And and it's only cemented by the fact that they're performing together so beautifully together on this absolutely fantastic track. Um and yeah, it's it's just perfect. Again, this is us kind of climbing up out of that deep hole we went into with nutshell. You can just feel like that tempo change with the drums coming in. And uh, it's it's lifting. It's becoming a little more carefree. We're leaving those those worries behind. You know, like okay, you know, tra- trauma has been dealt with. No excuses. Like let's go forward. Let's do amazing things together. Um, it's uh it's it's just a. I don't know what else to say. It's just such a good track. And again, baffling that this song came together in like one or two days but i think it may have just been facilitated by the fact that not only are they like basically doing self therapy by producing this album but i think it's it's just comes from such a personal place that i think so many of the songs just have such a natural feel to them um this one probably feels like the most natural of of all the tracks on the album mm-hmm.
0: Oh, perfectly said. Yeah. In fact, it's just interesting to me that, uh, they can be so transparent with their lyric writing and then like basically just leave it all on the the table right there. So everyone basically knows what they're talking about and yet it doesn't like cause any riffs or problems or, uh, causes a wedge between them, but actually brings them even closer to me. It seems sometimes if bands are being very open about that, it could lead to hostile feelings where people are getting angry and upset, but uh, it doesn't seem to be the case at all between the, the relationship between uh, Lane Stanley and, uh, and Jerry Cantrell, which is really cool to see. Again, it's just perfectly done. I mean, this is just the perfect song to feature on their uh MTV Unplugged concert, which they would do a few years after this. Uh, and this, also uh, interesting fact, this was the very first single of theirs to debut on the Billboard number one raw modern rock charts as well, which is surprising to me. I thought one of their other songs would have gotten that distinction, but technically, this was the first one to do it.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just so good. <laughs> I'm sure I had more I wanted to say about it, but
0: it's good. A- it's just perfect. Yeah. Again, I guess that it's my personal favorite track on the on the CP and maybe even like top five Allison Chain songs. So but that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and jump into uh, track number six, uh Whale and Wasp. No, track number five. I apologize. Track number five, Whale yeah. and Was. This one's uh, kind of interesting. So let's jump into this one now. The <laughs> Go whale and wasp, interesting track. I mean, it's an instrumental track, so for analyzing on a, a lyrical standpoint, there's obviously not much we can go off of. But from a musical composition, I mean, it'd be I'd be interested to hear what some of my friends who really understand music composition think of this particular song. I'm not sure if you do, Nathan, but to me, just the the combinations of the electric guitar, the acoustics, and then you throw in the string arrangement as well. It's a really beautiful song. Uh, but why you would call it whale and wasp, I'm not quite sure. Uh, again, I couldn't find much background on this particular song. So I would just simply state that it just sounds really cool and beautiful. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, this is a, it's a perfect interlude for the album. Um, I know it's not like quite halfway on the album that would have been track four, no excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think it's the perfect segue. Cause I don't know. There's, there's elements of the song that almost feel like they're shared with, with Rotten Apple, like our introduction to this EP and uh, it feels like it helps kind of tie and thread these songs all together um <clears throat> apart from that um yeah i think it's absolutely beautiful uh i don't know as i was thinking about this album that's title whale and wasp uh i get this feeling of this whale <clears throat> diving and going through like the the deep dark ocean and um you get like the even the guitars though the wow wow like it almost to me sounds like whale calls in a way, and uh, I think it's kind of kind of neat, um, and it gets into some beautiful places. It goes to some dark brooding places, and it kind of surfaces into these beautiful strings and, and lighter moments. And it kind of goes back and forth, and it does feel kind of like a whale can just kind of climbing up for air and and diving back down slowly. Um, That is is my, like, emotional, like, figurative take on the track. In terms of the wasp part of it, I had to think about it afterwards, like, why is it called whale wasp? Because the whale part makes sense to me. Why wasp? And um, I think if you think about it as, like, a wasp, too, a wasp flying around, like, maybe it could be either or. Mm -hmm. And... The I don't know the the imagery of a whale. I think is this big, huge, gentle giant that's just out in the you know the huge, vast ocean, very alone, almost kind of feeling. Um, sometimes, of course, they travel in pods. I don't know, digging too deep into it, maybe. But the wasp thing, I don't know. <laughs> I would I would leave that up for other people's interpretation too. But um, I think that this song goes on a on a journey for sure and um i'm gonna share some thoughts about about the album when we get to the very end that i think um i don't know it's a personal take of mine and this song kind of helps tie it together but we'll we'll get to that later
0: perfect okay so let's go ahead and jump into uh, track number six another very deeply personal song uh beautifully written as well this is called uh, don't follow So just perfect. I mean, I I love the the Guns N' Roses vibes I kind of get from this song. I think the harmonica really (laughs) does. And I mean that in a positive light, for sure. I mean, both, yeah. compliment to both bands. Uh, the the acoustic mixed in with the harmonica, the deeply personal lyrics, uh, vocals from from Staley and, and control yet again, which is really cool that they've been sharing uh, vocal duties on this particular uh, EP. Uh, interesting fact about this one, two that I wanted to share. So uh, this song was never performed live by by Staley, which is interesting to learn that it wasn't performed live until 2006, so a couple years after he had passed, and by then they are. They had their new vocalist uh uh william duvall so so it is interesting that this particular song was never performed by, by Staley during his lifetime and second uh lily Co- uh, cornell uh chris cornell's daughter she did a, a special on gt uh, igtv uh, instagram's like tv station thing or like their video service thing to promote mental health uh in a Segment called uh, Mind Wide Open that was released in 2020. This particular song served as like the, the intro or like the theme song for that special that she did. And obviously, uh, mental health is something that's really important to her considering uh, the passing of her, of her father, Chris Cornell, the years after Stanley had passed. So it's, it's a deeply personal song. Again, I guess in a way kind of kept in the family, as it were, because, again, the fact that Lily Cornell would be such a huge fan or at least like this song enough that she would want it used in her special to talk about mental health, uh, about her father. So, so what were your vibes? What did you get from this particular song of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, don't follow.
1: Well, I think, I think you're, uh, it's so funny that you said, I get some guns and roses vibes because <laughs> I, I thought that for sure, as I was going through <clears throat> their catalog, there's definitely, there's definitely guns and roses, uh, vibe to it. not just, uh, in the, the performance, Uh, of some of their songs especially this one it it feels a little more obvious Um, but even in some of the vocal performances um, it definitely has a a kind of a Guns N' Roses um, influence to it Uh, I I liked this song quite a bit it was uh, it's very comfortable Um, it feels like yeah we've gone through this catharsis during this album Uh, we went through this journey with Whale and Wasp and now we're coming out the other end and it feels like we're we're clean uh and, and so emotionally that's the journey that i went on the uh the song i think is beautiful it's the only one that has harmonica mm-hmm. on the album and the harmonica is played excellently by david atkinson i found out which i have no idea who he is but uh does a fantastic job i was like was one of the members of Alice in Chains plays harmonica? Like, no, <laughs> no, they, they brought somebody in for that, but it's uh, oh, gosh, it's it's just perfect. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song, but it, when you dig into the lyrics of it, it, it is very uh, sad, sad song. Um, which is it's interesting because the places it goes, you would think it was gonna be this huge, tragic song the whole way through. Um, but part way through the song, it's just, it goes into this happy, like warm, uh, warm sun on my back, you know, like, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere and, you know, say goodbye. don't follow. Like I'm, I'm leaving. See ya. Um, but it, it's, it has this warmth to it, this comfort to it that feels, feels like acceptance and uh, and like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Um, yeah, it sucks, but everything's going to be fine, and uh, it's just a, a gorgeous track, and, and the journey that we the album, or the EP, takes us through by the end here, it just feels cathartic, mm-hmm. um, beautiful, like, they somehow knew exactly how this whole thing was supposed to go together, I've been thinking very much about, like, okay, they come out with this these amazing songs, these seven amazing tracks, They throw it all together and they're like, I don't even know if we should release it. (laughs) But for them to decide, yeah, we're going to release it and then put these tracks in the order that they did, I think is genius. And uh, this particular song coming when it does, I think makes it so much more meaningful and special than if it were in any other track number on this EP. The only other place it could have perhaps fit is the end, but uh, no, that has to go to, you know, swing on this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect segue. Let's go ahead and jump into track number seven, the final track on this EP. This is uh, Swing on This. song it, it feels uh maybe a little disjointed at times i mean it comes in with a really cool baseline really heavy baseline to start out and then it just sounds kind of unusual as it were but uh if, if you move past like the musical part of it the the lyrics are actually really really like hitting home for again everything that we've been talking about to this point the the addiction problems and the personal issues that Lane Staley's is going through so much so the very uh in the song uh the line that i really enjoy uh then i heard a voice that uh, said son you have a choice i then slapped my face now i have to go home uh do as when in rome so again it's almost kind of like in a way he's acknowledging the problems that he has that he has to go to rehab uh in fact i think he did after this ep was released sometime in 1994 i think he did so it, it kind of comes full circle i guess all the songs and like you mentioned the order in which they were released maybe this was the fitting one to close it out meaning yes that uh, I, I finally am acknowledging my demons. I'm going to try and fight this. And he has to come to that conclusion himself, if you know anything about addictions, really. Um, because that being said, I personally initially would have put Don't Follow as the follow, the final track on the, the album. But now, now the more I think about it, maybe Swing on this is kind of a fitting way to close it. But again, it's one of those songs that I, I don't quite know how I feel about it, just because musically, it's not really <laughs> one of my favorites. But but I still think it's it's put in as an important part of the EP as you mentioned. So what were your thoughts, Nathan? What do you think of this song?
1: Yeah, no, it's it feels super out of place the first time you listen to it. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> because everything else is so uh, you know so so dark, so brooding, and everything. And you get to this track, uh, and then you know, don't follow is just this beautiful, like ah. Oh. Like the first time i was listening to this album like i wasn't paying attention to you know there's another track coming you know i i heard don't follow and i was like oh man that was a beautiful end to the album <laughs> and sweet on this comes on and i'm like what is this it almost feels like a bonus track you yeah. know on an album when you first listen to it i i unironically like this song i wouldn't say that i love it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I honorably like this song and especially like its placement at the end of the EP. Lyrically, you nailed it. I, 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 think it's perfect, but I also think like emotionally it's like them saying like, okay, we've, we've been to therapy together as a band during the process of this EP. And here we are, we're, we're doing something funky and fun. Like you can just tell they're having a fun time with it. Like you were t- saying, like with Mike Inez, that bassline's like way out front and he's just like dum 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 like he's he's just you can tell they're having a good time mm-hmm. playing this song and after all of this the stress and the chaos the publicity and everything that that they have just been thrust through um, and then losing their home, (laughs) getting kicked out and everything like that. Like they needed to kind of go through all of this, this pain to get out to the other end of it, the other side of it and look back and say like, okay, yeah, all that sucked, but we can deal. Like let's let, we can, we can have fun. We can, we can make light of this. Like we're going to be okay. And so it, it feels so personal. Like, I feel like I know these guys, after listening to Jar of Flies going from beginning to end. Um, and it feels like a, like, a, I know they live some crazy lives, but like, it feels like a group of guys, like if you were to sit down and just like have a talk with them, like you could be totally real together after listening to this album. Like you, you feel like, you know, them, you, you, I can feel like I, I can look back at some of my own friends and be like, yeah, yeah. I, he's like him, you know? And, and yeah, I know these guys they're they're super familiar to me and there's something super comforting about that and then by the time you come around your second or third spin on that final track you're like okay i'll, I'll buy into it it's fun yeah all right like we're, we're ready to move forward we're ready to go um on another tour or we're ready to move forward with rehab or we're ready to go you know record another album and they did they did record their self-titled album mm-hmm. uh a little while you know after you know, they put out this, the CP. I think it was back in 95, it was like a year later or something. Yeah, something like Yeah. For for the self titles. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like, yeah, we're, we're ready. Let's, let's go do it. And, uh, and the fact that we get to listen to this whole creative process, this, you know, catharsis that they went through producing this whole album from beginning to end, the, the journey is like, you, you definitely don't end up at the same place you were at the start. You end up someplace completely different. And, uh, and it's, and it's a place where you come out the other side, feeling, feeling like, yeah, no, that was a, that was a good journey. That was awesome. And, uh, uh, when I finished listening to the album for like my second, third time, uh, and learning so much about Alice in Chains and, and, the journeys that they all went through together especially Lane Staley I I took from this album like that it almost kind of became uh, somewhat self prophecy in my mind like uh like you mentioned a short while after this album Staley goes into rehab they put out their self-title EP and then the band basically just ceases to exist because of Staley's addiction. And the problems that they were having with the band, and then he passed away in two thousand and two. Yeah, uh, same day as Kurt Cobain, uh, I think. And uh, you know, it was this. It's uh, almost legendary how how they passed away on like the same day and everything like that. And um, it's uh, it's interesting when you think about the album in terms of his life, um, and you've got this. The song rotten apple that's very brooding and dark and and then you've got this huge confessional nutshell like this is this is me at my at my lowest you know i mean if you read the lyrics to that song they're heavy mm-hmm. and the performance just brings it out it's so so good and then we we kind of climb out of that and he's saying like okay i'm gonna stay away i stay away mm. And and then there's Cantrell of like, I'm gonna be there with you, no excuses, you know, and uh, and then we get to um, we get to whale and wasp. And for me, this is like that moment of again thinking futuristically self-prophecy. To me, this is that track that almost feels like crossing over the the process of 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 dying and coming out the other side. And then we have that song don't follow, which feels like almost like he's speaking from the grave. And you know, it's gonna be okay. Say goodbye, don't follow. Mm-hmm. And uh and then we and then we have Sweet on this, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily fit that narrative necessarily, unless the the narrative is that you know what, we can move on, it's gonna be okay. Um and to me, taking that away from it, gosh, makes this EP all the more interesting to go back and listen to. And uh, it's just fantastic from beginning to end. I think it's been an absolute trip and a pleasure to be invited to, uh, to dive into this uh, album with you.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, thank you thank so much you. For, for offering your feedback and giving me new things to think about. Because, again, I had extensively researched, but discovered new things and even just pondered things that I hadn't really thought about before, particularly related to this EP. Uh, you know, it's it's not a, a concept album per se, uh, like, say, like uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, but it definitely mm-hmm. has an important message. Uh, and like you mentioned, you you start out one place, you end it at a completely different. Uh, and musically, it's just a really awesome, really well put together a uh, perfect example of what the, the four guys were capable of putting together uh, as far as the band's c- concerned. Uh, my understanding yeah, is they have something special planned for next week uh, to celebrate its 30th anniversary. We'll have to wait and see my guess. I, if I were to venture a guess, it's probably a reissue on vinyl uh, maybe with some uh, bonus tracks we've never heard before or, or rare recordings we've never heard, but we shall see uh, on their, their social media pages. They're, they're teasing that something's coming next week. So.
1: Yeah. Gosh, that'd be, that'd be really, uh, interesting if somebody like had a video camera recording in the studio as they're pulling this together because mm-hmm. that insight into their whole creative process, uh, in the process of seven days, uh, you know, 10 days, they booked the recording studio, but it was pretty much done in seven. Crazy. Uh, I think you, you take all of these things that we've talked about and then you throw that seven day recording studio process on top of that. And it's, insane it's amazing it's absolutely incredible um and it's the band itself alice in chains right Uh so much of grunge music by uh critics gets so reduced to oh it's just angry white guys out of their parents garage going raw, 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 <laughs> with some noisy messy dirty sounding guitars and drums and bass mm-hmm. and uh they they proved that uh no you can you can bear your soul and you can do some incredible things in this new 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 facet of rock music that they helped pioneer alongside soundgarden and nirvana and gosh pearl jam and uh, all those those guys uh it's uh it's just fascinating i don't think there was another grunge album quite quite like it. I, I can't think of uh I can't think of an acoustic album that Soundgarden or Nirvana mm-hmm. put out like that. I can think of the MTV performances that they yeah. did the unplugs. Mm-hmm. But uh and those are amazing. <laughs> Including Allison in Chains. But absolutely you know no nobody nobody's done what they've done. And uh I think there are many, many, many bands out there that have Attempted to emulate, uh, but none uh, can quite equal. Alice Allison Chains and Jar of Flies is perfect example of of what makes them. Uh, uh, you can't. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? You can't. You can't copy that. Mm-hmm. You can't recreate that. Uh, you have. To, you you got to just do something different with it. And some of those bands that cite them as an influence certainly have. And a lot of them haven't and they're not around anymore, but Alice in Chains, they're, they're still going. And yeah. I think it's, it's awesome. And thank goodness we got people like, I mean, Jerry Cantrell, is an incredible guitarist. Oh, he's, he's done a lot, a lot for rock music just by simply existing. Um, and we owe so much to, to Staley and his lyrics and his, very unique and raw vocal performance. I mean, they shaped the rock music we know today.
0: Mm, absolutely, yeah. So, so that's Alison James. Jar flies comes, I guess, with our highest recommendations, right? Uh, so, for celebrating 40th anniversary, if you haven't listened to it in a while, uh, please do so. I mean, it's really, really awesome, and I hope you enjoy. If you do get a chance to listen to it, I hope you you do enjoy it. And you enjoyed our conversation, talking music. I can just talk music all night if I wanted to, but, uh, (laughs) uh, any last minute thoughts before we wrap up, Nathan? No, I, I
1: think I've said everything and more than I wanted to say, but it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I would absolutely love to do this again anytime.
0: Oh, absolutely. We definitely will for anniversary uh, uh, albums coming out later this year. And then, of course, if there's any just random stuff uh, you want to discuss, we can more than happy to do that as well on the podcast. So, Thank you, Nathan, for giving me your time tonight. Thank you to the listeners. Yeah, be sure to listen to A Jar Bite this coming week. And uh, you've been listening to the Catching your Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody.